Hey, is it Saturday yet? Not so fast, my friend. (laughs) A podcast presented by Student Union Sports. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Is It Saturday Yet? I'm Luke Owens, and today, got a bit of a three-man team. We've got Bryce Hopwood back. From his wedding, Big Hoppa, we've also got Andrew Diaz, and we've got a lot of housekeeping to do to start this episode, because a lot has gone down in the past week between, you know, Hop getting married, some of his teams failing, some of his teams winning, we've got the Mayo bet, we've got Andrews fighting Irish, losing to Marshall, so it's going to be a, a real fun start to the show, and I, I want to get things started with, with Hop, because... Look, it was a big weekend for you last weekend. Of course, the the wedding, we want to send all our love to, to Bryce and Grace uh, on the beautiful wedding. Liam was there. He can attest to, to how beautiful it was. Um, it was an excellent time. Yes, it was an excellent time. Wish I could have been there. Um, but Us too. I, w- I was invited, by the way. I don't want people to think that Hop was spiting me, although we'll see. By the end of this episode, he might say we shouldn't be, you know, I shouldn't be invited to his wedding. But you had the wedding. But simultaneously, you have Wisconsin lose to Washington State. You have App State upset Texas A&M. And you push your game of the year. I'll give you credit for the push. UNC uh, minus seven against Georgia State. I had it at seven and a half, uh, getting the points of Georgia State. But we'll give you credit for that. So I, I just want you to take me through your range of emotions this weekend, Hop. All right. So let me paint you a picture. Let me paint you a little Picasso for you, okay? I'll try to keep it short and sweet. So um, this weekend we had a uh, Friday night, the rehearsal had some of the student union guys out there, Harry uh, Stillings. He's in the, uh, he was in the wedding party, whatever. We, we had a great night. So fast forward, we had, I had a, let's see, I had a six, six play card for gambling sake. And then I had obviously the app and the Badger game as well. Wedding started at three. Kickoff for App and my Badgers, my Badgers 1A, my App State Mountaineers 1B, um, both kicked at 2.30. So, not great, um, but my game of the year was at 11 with UNC, so I'm, I'm watching that game. They go up 21-3 to 3 quick. I'm talking, like, first 20 minutes of game clock. Um, I thought it was over. I thought I was the smartest man alive. UNC defense does what UNC defense does. They gave up, like, I think it was 22 unanswered or something. They go down seven. Drake May, who's a baller, by the way. I, oh, yeah. I, yeah. This is not the last time you'll hear of Jake May, or sorry, Drake May the rest of the year. Um, he leads him back a couple touchdown drives, a couple turnovers there, uh, two in the second half. So we ended up pushing. That was okay. So we're down to the wire. Uh, so all this happens. Uh, UNC game, game goes final like 2:15, I want to say, um, and so I had uh, like Kansas State. They got like a lightning delay with Mizzou. Um, I got Arkansas. South Carolina was on the card too. That one was a little sweaty near the end, but we we marched on and cashed that ticket too. But then um, we had UTSA Army game. Army would just, they went up like, I think they were up like 14, nothing. Then it was like 14, 14. And it was 21. They just kept being up seven. Uh, now we're reaching about two. I want to say like two third. Uh, it's closer to like two forty five. So I'm, I'm already dressed. I'm in, I'm in the nines. I'm looking great. I mean, what oh, you say? look great. Thank you. You're, you're too kind. Um, 
I'm, I'm dressed to the nines and I'm, you know, we're in my grandpa's shed. It was held at my grandparents' place. Uh, you know, trying not to freak out a little bit, not only about the wedding, but uh, the card. And so UTSA, as I'm like sweating, it's like two, now if they go into overtime, they miss a field goal. It's like 256. And I'm like, I got to be walking down that aisle in like four minutes. I don't have time for overtime. Uh, UTSA minus two. They hold army. I'm like watching. I kind of get word that like, hey, my wife, Grace, isn't quite ready yet. Like shoot for 315. I'm like, yes. So UTSA gives up a uh, field goal. And then I think it was like two plays, third play on their first possession, lob, lob, uh, touchdown into the corner end zone, cash the ticket. I'm like, yes. I, so, I don't want to interrupt you, Hop, but I will say you weren't on the show last week, so I won't give you crap, but kind of a bad guy for fading producer Liam's picks, which were, by the way, 1-0 and to date before that Army pick. 1-0 and to date. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I know I heard Liam's pick and I think you and Diaz were each on the opposite side of me on like three to four other plays. So, you know, I, I know how my weekend went, which is pretty solid. I know how your guys weekend it sounded like it went. So it was just like, Oh, but ever since um, I stepped foot in Wisconsin, I'm one in six. That's all I'll say. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's not what you want to hear. I've, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty hot lately, but hopefully we gotta let that we gotta keep that rolling. But um, so it's like three fifteen. Cash the first couple tickets, um, and so earlier in the week, so get get through the ceremony, whatever. I'm happy, but I know it's like fourteen to seven in the Badger game and like, <laughs> the State game. Too. I love the fast forward the ceremony. Uh, let's see how the Badgers are doing. It was a gorgeous ceremony. I mean, it started to rain. They say rain on the wedding day is a good is a good look, uh, is good luck. So it was it was great, whatever. But I know, hand up, and and you guys can attest to this. I said I'm only allowed so many good things. Wedding is gonna go great, but Wisconsin's gonna lose to Washington State at home. So earlier in the week, I put half a unit on Washington State plus six twenty five. And I'm getting, I'm getting word. I'm hearing chirps from the backseat. Harry, <laughs> Harry and I drove to the reception together. And this is a close ball game. And I'm like, I told you, I'm only allowed so many good things at a time. I'm hearing chirps. Oh, App State's doing pretty good over here, though. And I'm like, okay, okay. So whatever. Finally, we get to the reception hall. And uh, we're kind of waiting. We're waiting on another um, uh, for one of the groomsmen. And I step and take a look outside and I see there's 20 seconds left. Badgers down three Washington state with the ball. And I was like, well, there she goes. And so uh, we cast another ticket. So it was like a, I think I went, what is that? Let's see. Five, one and one on the weekend, Tennessee covered five. I got them early in the week. Um, And Houston almost won on the money line, which is what I had them instead of the three uh, that I could have had, but Beautiful ceremony, beautiful reception. I got, I had to say, you know, the student union guys really brought the moves, brought the vocals. So it, it made it all worthwhile. But yeah, so Washington's, I, I knew it. I said, only allowed so many good things. Yeah, that, that, that's quite the day. And Andrew, for you, well, the people will see the video, the coffee mayo bet, my Syracuse Orange easily covered, never in doubt against the Yukon Huskies. And have you recovered yet? You just drank it just moments before the show. I got to say a lot chunkier than I was expecting. Um, so I'm kind of happy that I was not on that side of the bet. 
first off, this is kind of my first interaction with, uh, with Hoppe, um, doing a podcast with him. Um, personally, I think he doesn't sound like a great guy having the Saturday wedding during the fall. That's just me personally. Look, I, I, so, okay. I, not, not I, what I, I got do. to, I, I only got to choose so much. She said she wanted a fall wedding. I took a look at the Badger schedule. I said, Wazoo, that should be no problem. And then she goes, well, what time do you think? And I said, let's do afternoon. Cause if we're going to play Wazoo, who's going to stink, you know, this was a year ago. I was like, they're going to stink. We'll be at 11. I'll watch it in the morning. We'll get married in the afternoon and have a ball. But I guess I told you I'm only allowed so many good things. Well, congratulations. Sounds like the wedding went well, but on my end, it, uh, did not go well. Yeah, it was um, the I, I actually recorded it in a bathroom on campus because I didn't want to be like in our dining hall or out really anywhere else. Um, and it, it, I mean, it was awful. It, it smelled a lot worse than I anticipated. And, you know, we, we kind of discussed last week that um, maybe Levis uses the mayonnaise as like a creamer. Maybe if like he mixes it well, it kind of uh, ends up dissolving, but it's just it's so thick and like the stuff that did dissolve. Um, just made like streaks in the coffee. Then there were chunks in there. Overall, it looked, it, first off, it looked d- dissatisfying to start. It tasted even worse. Um, and, and, you know, I just, I hope I never have to endure something that bad again. Um, I put that probably in one of the top five worst things I've had to do or experience in my life. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it, it was my fault betting uh, on UConn. You know, that 22 and a half, I was feeling real confident after we beat CCSU, which probably wasn't, again, a, a great bet on my part. But, you know, I had to take my medicine. I deserved it. But, yeah, overall, I mean, it, it was pretty terrible. I, I My stomach is still kind of doing somersaults at the moment. It's just not not a good night for me right now. What's more nauseating, uh, drinking the coffee in May or watching Notre Dame lose at home to Marshall? Well, those are two different, uh, I think, types of um, – sadness or hurt the the mayo coffee was just disgust um watching notre dame lose to marshall was put put me i was looking for high ground at one point and looking to jump i mean it was especially you lose buckner he goes down that hurts marcus freeman starts off his career at notre dame zero and three it just now i'm just hoping six and six seven and five make a bowl game it's really pop- that yeah, that fast oh i'm giving up yeah i have no hope at the time at this moment this season's gone for me right now um but it's pine time drew pine a connecticut guy i gotta ride with him hope that he can get us some wins um you know and really all i hope for is that we upset one of the big teams in either usc byu or clemson down the line but uh yeah i I just anything above six and six at this point would be i think a success on the season It, it was Overall, like there was, it wasn't like Marshall made this outstanding comeback in the game where you can kind of reason with it. Like Marshall just came out with great energy in the second half. It was just a dogfight the entire game. And then Buckner goes down, Pine comes in, and it just everything fell apart even more than, um, than you could have expected, especially at home. And then one of the Marshall DBs, I think one of the best celebrations we're going to see this entire college football season, shushes the Irish crowd and then. Um, kind of mocks the the fighting Irish guy, gives the 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 put up your Dukes type of fist to the crowd. So, I mean, it it, it overall this week kind of sucked. We had good games, but on my end, I, I had an, an awful weekend. I will say, um, I I've, I've wanted to take Marshall with the points, uh, you know, after a big game like that, especially one Notre Dame was in right away in week one with Ohio State. Um, 
And it's crazy to me, you know, uh, Rasheen Ali, who's their stud running back. I didn't realize this before the game um, or until after the game, I should say he stepped away from the program um, at least indefinitely. So I hadn't realized that he was gone. So I figured they were going to at least try to run it down Notre Dame's throat and at least keep it close and keep the clock moving. Um, but I didn't realize he wasn't on the, the field for them right now. So that blew my mind. And they had uh, Grant Wells, who's now at Virginia tech transfer in the off season. So I was like, yeah, we'll see what happens with the quarterback play. They didn't really have much of a test in week one Marshall, but I, to go out and do what they did against Notre Dame. I mean, I didn't, obviously I didn't get to see much of it, but the highlights that I saw, it just felt like it felt like Marshall was supposed to be the grown man team and Notre Dame was supposed to be the, the group of five team. Yeah. It, it, overall, I mean, it looked like it, there was, like I said, no, no t- real turning point in the game where there was like a big momentum shift. Marshall was just the better team. Like, like you said, I mean, they just big boyed Notre Dame and just, you know, came out and played more sound football. Um, and, and with Notre Dame having such young QBs like Buckner and Pine, uh, it, you're going to see that. I mean, but I w- we were kind of riding high. I mean, we were talking about it. I thought Ohio State was going to blow Notre Dame out. I didn't really even think it was going to be a close game. Then they lose by 11. They were up at one point in the half – or they were up in the first half. So you have a lot of confidence coming off a game against what I think is the best team in the country. And now you go out there and lose to, to Marshall. And overall, I mean, just absolutely what a weekend for, for a group of five teams, um, especially I believe the Sun Belt. I mean, they had, they, yeah. you had Marshall, Georgia Southern, and App State all win. Just an absolutely electric weekend for them. And, uh, again, a dismal one for Notre Dame. Yeah, the fun belt. If I was looking at this, if you place a hundred dollar parlay on Georgia Southern Marshall App State money line, would have paid out one hundred eighteen thousand dollars. So the fun belt's all the way back. And you look at the, I was I was looking at the uh, the App State A and M game. Um, I didn't watch a ton of it just because there was a lot going on at that time. A and M, and I thought it going into the year, their offense stinks. Like it stinks. Like their defense is good. But I was never buying into the offense. And I think that – I don't know. The the preseason number six always felt way too high to me. I know there's a lot of teams that we kind of talked about before the year that could have been slotted there, which, you know, Utah didn't maybe live up to the expectations that I thought they were going to live up to. Baylor's lost early. So maybe there's not really any team that fits in that sixth spot. But I thought A&M was, was overrated to start. And, then, you know, Hop as an App State guy, like, they played well. But, you know, offensively they weren't as good as they were against UNC. But their defense – you know, stood tall. And I think it kind of shows like I, I, the SEC, I think is still Bama, Georgia and everyone else. Like, I don't think A&M is, is on that level yet. No, I, in the off season, like May midnight, I was like, why not put a half a unit on just throw 10 bucks out on A&M to win it. You know, they're getting all these recruits. You never know. Um, and while that was a waste of $10 because that team is there, like you said, they're not that good. I will say, the defensive guys that they were able to bring in these, some of these freshmen, these dudes are studs, this defense. Yeah. It's, it's uh, they're making an immediate impact, but it's a next year, next year, that defense is going to be really good, especially, um, you know, obviously it's college football. You never know what the carousel is going to look like, but uh, as far as like coordinators and such, but that defense is going to be really good. And you're talking about an app state team who lost four of their top five receivers last year. Um, but bring back arguably um, the best running back tandem in 
uh, college football, in my opinion, Nate, between Nate Noel and Cameron Peoples. I mean, Cam Peoples is a six foot two linebacker, essentially, who runs a little bit faster than most linebackers. But Noel was out; he wasn't in the game. Uh, and Amani Marshall. I mean, I went, I went back and I did watch through the whole thing. The line was undersized, um, comparatively speaking, obviously, to anything that Texas A&M will see pretty much the rest of the year. Uh, but they were able to run the ball pretty much at will. Um, a couple like third and longs where they went up the middle for eight, 10 yards to grab a close, couple of close first downs to pretty much ice the game. Um, and despite how good that defense was, you know, it was a couple stops, couple stops here. Chase Bryce wasn't that great um, after exploding with, you know, 40 points in the fourth quarter against UNC. But um, no, th- this is a, a app state, you know, there's something to be said. Sure. You can talk, talk about it being the Sun Belt, but they've won 80 games since 2014, which is like the sixth most, I think, behind, what do they say? Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, and Oklahoma. Um, I think it's 81 or 82 wins now uh, since 2014, since they uh, came back to the FBS. Look, if you're winning, if you're winning ball games at that kind of clip, there's kind of a reason. And it's, it's pretty impressive what App State has done as a program going through like four coaches in four years. So Got to hand it to some guys sometimes, especially going to a place like Kyle Field. Um, per, personally, with this game, I, I think just about everything could have gone wrong for AM. A, losing this game, but there was just so much else that went around with this game. I mean, first you get the uh, the midnight yell is atrocious. Oh, I mean, it, that's it, what lost in the game. It, it really, I mean, I felt bad for the kid doing it, but he had so much confidence. I almost like hate him now. With how confident he was, because he, he was expecting to get laughs um, with that nice Appalachia joke. Um, but it, so that's bad. Then you get um, your your freshman, I believe it was freshman DB, whipping through a parking garage at about 80 miles an hour. Uh, and, and so now, and then you got players liking tweets. You had a defensive back, Denver Harris, liking a tweet that said, I, I believe it was something along the lines of, Texas has the scheme, but not the players. AM has the players, but not the scheme. He likes that tweet. Uh, so now it's like a, an inside revolt uh, amongst the Texas players. And when you look at Jimbo Fisher um, compared to Kevin Sumlin, who they had uh, before Fisher, their records are just about the same over this time. You're only now paying Fisher uh, about 80 million, probably like 70 million more dollars than you were paying Sumlin. So Overall, a terrible investment on their part to lose the app state like this and just to not have enough success over the years. But like you mentioned, that app state backfield was really what carried them after Bryce kind of got shut down a little bit, had over 100 yards, played clean football through a touchdown with no picks. But Peoples really carried them with 112 yards on just under 20 carries. And then Amani Marshall, like you mentioned, too, stepped up in a big spot and had a rushing touchdown to, to really help out in this game. So, I mean – App State, like we know, year after year is kind of a, a spoiler team. They're the team that you don't want to play at home, stemming back years ago to when they played Michigan at the big house. So they're a team I just think if you're a, a top 10 team, just don't schedule App State. That's the thing you don't want to do is schedule App State. And, uh, again, teams are doing it. A&M schedules them, and they, they lose at home. And I, I, I hate A&M. I hate Jimbo Fisher. So I, I really enjoyed this. And App State, again, is always a fun team to root for. Um, when, when you see him roll out in that, the black and yellow unis and, and really take it to a, a highly ranked team. Yeah. One thing I want to, you know, go off of with what you said, Diaz, is uh, the investment part. Uh, notable 
week two was nuts, like we've been talking about. But Texas A&M invested or spent $1.5 million to bring App State to Kyle Field to get manhandled 17 to 14. Um, there were some other notable ones. Uh, the second highest was the other uh, was Georgia Southern, the other Sunbelt team beating Nebraska 45 to 42. They paid Nebraska paid Georgia Southern $1.42 million to come and whoop on them. Um, and then going to your guys was next uh, Notre Dame paid 1.25 million to Marshall to come and get beat. Uh, and then some of the, the other ones that I thought were pretty fun this weekend was Nevada losing 55 to 41 to incarnate word. They paid them 400 K to go Utah state paid Weber state to come obliterate them 35 to seven for 300, uh, 390,000. And then Bowling green uh, paid to lose to Eastern Kentucky, $350,000 in total. Uh, those six games cost those six programs, $5.31 million. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I love to hear that. And then a uh, quick thing about Fisher's contract is uh, over the off season when a, uh, LSU was looking for a head coach before Kelly, it was reported that LSU offered Fisher um, eight years, 125 million, which would have just been even better to see him just chase bag after bag going from to A&M to get a huge deal. Then you go to LSU and just, pretty much do the exact same thing. I mean, he's never going to have a team again like he did at Florida State with Winston, uh, like players like Dalvin Cook, Jalen Ramsey, Derwin James. So I, I love seeing people hype up a Jimbo Fisher team and for them to disappoint. And that's pretty much been A&M's MO year after year. They're like a fool's gold team where they're going to get ranked in the top 10 because they bring in high recruits. They, they play in the SEC, so they think like, oh, one or two losses won't really affect them. In the grand scheme of things, it'll probably be to like Bama or uh, Florida or LSU, really good teams. And then they go out and lose in week two to App State. It's just, it's a fun thing to see. It, overall, I, I love watching something like that happen. I do think it's an interesting strategy, though, because we see these teams like Wisconsin had a home and home, uh, or not a home and home. They brought BYU in one year. Um, and, you know, for some of these P5 teams, you're kind of banking on these G5 teams to be, like, kind of good. So it doesn't look like, you know, it's uh, it's the Adam Sandler in Longest Yard. Bring in Appalachia State, kick the living shit out of them. You know, like, it's it's not the same thing. But, um, you know, trying to bring in a team, a G5 team, that's not too bad. And what happens is you kind of overstepped your boundaries. You, you schedule a G5 team that's a – you know, top 25 ish talented team in the country. But and I will say though, should we give these teams some credit like AM for scheduling App State? Cause like I know yeah, like, that's what I'm you know, saying like, is like, like Michigan's played Colorado State, Yukon, and, and uh, Hawaii. Like I'd much rather see AM App State than Michigan play three of the 15 worst teams in the country. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you, you should give them some credit, but it's like, all right, like, you know, maybe scale it back a, t- a touch, you know, not let's get, let's be confident, but not too confident. Your point is still to win the game. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that's true. I, like you mentioned with Michigan, I think that should affect them in some way. I don't think they should still be ranked number four when your start of the season is probably with three of the worst teams in all of college football. I, I don't think you should be sitting at four when teams are playing uh, top 25 matchups that are ranked, but just behind you. I think something like that should affect them. I don't, I'm not saying Michigan's not a good football team. I think they're – it's very likely that they can make it back to the college football playoff this year. But when you're opening, like you said, with Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn, 
uh, three teams that are going to probably have about a combined six wins amongst each other. It's not impressive. And for them to be ranked at four at this moment, I just don't think that's a suitable place to have them. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think, uh, you know, speaking of teams that went out on a limb, Bama goes to Texas and barely survives 20 to 19 the final. Texas actually took the lead 19 to 17 with a minute 29 left. But that was just too much time for Bryce Young. That drive was awesome. Him escaping that sack was insane. Um, but I think the real story of this game is if Quinn uh, Ewers doesn't get hurt, he's 9 of 12, 134 yards. He looked awesome. I think Texas probably wins this game. I mean, they had all the momentum. The crowd was into it. Um, so I don't know. Like, what do you think? What do you think, Andrew? Do you think this tells us more like, you know, Texas is actually legit and can contend in the in the Big 12? Maybe not with with card at quarterback for the next few weeks. Or do you think, you know, Bama could maybe be in trouble? Um. I mean, I was impressed watching Hudson Card play. You come into a game against the one of the best teams in all of college football, pretty much cold. Um, it's not like you're in a blowout and you get to warm up a little bit. You come in after the starter gets hurt and taken out of the game. And, you know, he played serviceable. I, I think he'll definitely play better against Big 12 teams where defense is kind of non-existent. You were playing against one of the best defenses in all of college with Will Anderson rushing you pretty much every play. That's not easy. Um and, you know, I think that I don't really want to hype up Texas because I feel like this could be a, a situation like Florida where, you know, you watch Florida play week one against Utah. You get super excited about them, then they they lay an egg against Kentucky. I think that could be – if we really go all in on the Texas hype train, it could be the exact same thing. Um, but I think it with their matchups coming up, I like the chance of Hudson Card keeping them um, – keeping them – getting them to win games – um, along with Xavier Worthy, who I think might be the best receiver in all of college, uh, it will make life a lot easier for a guy like Hudson Card. So, you know, they pl- go out there, play a tough game. And I think the Steve Sarkeesian offense also is just super confusing for a lot of teams. You saw a lot of plays where Bama looked confused. I mean, they came out at one point with everybody lined up in the backfield, kind of did – it was like a muddle huddle, then break that. You get full house backfield, run play action – your fullback runs like a dart route into the flat. He's got 12 yards of open space. He's getting a first down and more on that. It, it's just it, with Sarkeesian running that offense, he'll kind of tailor that more around card these next few weeks while Ewers works his way back that I think Texas could be in a pretty good spot. One, okay. So I have two questions to pose. One is a informational question. Is it for sure card this week? Have they said if Ewers is back? He, I think they said Ewers is out four to six weeks with the AC sprain. Okay, did not see that. Been in a fog for you know how long here. What do you think about that hit? I I haven't seen it even yet. I still haven't seen it. What do you think, Diaz? Are are you like dirty or no? Yeah, yeah. It was there was like you. There was a little weight put on. I would say. I think it was tough because he was already up in the air. That when you're coming down like that, I mean, I definitely think he put his weight on, but I don't think it was one of these overly dirty hits that we've seen over the years that uh could lead to like, like, Oh, like, like Texas fans saying like we could have won this game. I just think it was, it, it was a hit that a guy really brought his weight down, but not in a dirty way. I mean, defenders are supposed to follow through like that, especially when you were already up in the air, there's going to be more weight coming down. So I don't think it was like an overly uh, dirty or malicious hit from Bama. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. And yeah, it doesn't, that's tough because I mean, 
when they're going full when you're going full speed like that, like and you're going into him, it's just kind of unfortunate that how Ewers landed. I don't know that that's necessarily necessarily a dirty. Yeah, you know, that's I don't all. think it's I don't think it's dirty. I think he definitely maybe put a little extra on it, which I don't think is a dirty thing to do. But I think he, you know, he he probably threw the weight around a little bit at the end there. Yeah, absolutely. I I can agree with that. But yeah, I don't think it, it's not. It's not uh, the kid from LSU. Was that Mason Smith? I think it was going with the headbutt. Like it's not like egregious. Like, oh yeah, no, definitely not. Um, the other hypothetical that uh, Harry posed to me um, once we heard that Ewers was out was, let's say Casey Thompson doesn't transfer. Does he? Does he pull off the win in that game? Uh, um, I, I watching him in Nebraska. I mean, he he's been fun in Nebraska. So. But their their play styles are so different because I, then I think a or uh, Texas runs the ball a little bit more with Thompson being more mobile than Card. Um, but I mean, if we're going just purely off the the better quarterback there, I think Bama or uh, Texas might win this game if Casey Thompson is there. But I understand him transferring because I mean, the hype around Ewers was just so big that you don't want to sit in that shadow while you're a college QB. You can go somewhere to start right away. But yeah, I think they win this game if Casey Thompson's there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it, it's hard to call. I think it could have went in a similar way. I mean, Robinson wasn't great, which I think I mean that was Alabama's game plan, especially after Ewers got hurt. It was like we're we're gonna just make sure that Robinson doesn't beat us. But yeah, I think if you have a little bit of a mo- more mobile quarterback, it probably helps. But you know, Thompson's looked really good, um, but you know he struggled in the second half against Northwestern, and then like you know, put up a lot of points against bad teams. I, I don't really know. I, I'd like to see a little bit more out of him at, at Nebraska, but I don't think it's crazy to say they win that game. I think the, the toughest part for them was, you know, they get fourth down, they have to kick a field goal with a minute 30. And I mean, why, I, I knew the game, like I knew once Bama got the ball back, they were scoring. Like it felt like a, a done deal at that point. Yeah, fair enough. I, I thought it was an interesting hypothetical. No, it definitely for Bama, is. For Bama, I think this game really showed that um, their top weapon is really a guy coming out of the backfield that can kind of do it all in like a Darren Sproles type of role uh, in Jameer Gibbs. I mean, the guy's a Swiss Army knife. Didn't really get it done on the ground, but he's still a threat at running back. But, I mean, coming out of the backfield at nine catches for 74 yards and a touchdown, he's proven to kind of be – it's like him and Deuce Vaughn during college football right now where they're both the top gadget players – uh, at the moment, and Gibbs is doing it against better competition, and will be doing it uh, doing it against better competition as the year goes on. While Vaughn is going to play good teams, Gibbs is just so efficient, just so tough to tackle, and just does so many of the right things that makes Bryce Young's life a lot easier. Yeah, and I think the one, the last thing we have to talk about for this week is, of course, Nebraska loses to Georgia State at home. Scott Frost is out. I'll go to Hop first, and then we'll go to Diaz. But I know Diaz is not a Nebraska guy. I tried to say in the beginning of the year, I like when Nebraska is good. I have a feeling Hop is going to side with Diaz and not want Nebraska to be good. But it felt like it was time. I don't know how much more of a leash you can give Scott Frost. Um, I don't know why they let Bo Pelini go, to be completely honest. I know they want to be, like, a, a top-10 ranked team. But, like, I'd rather have a team that wins eight, nine, ten games a year than a team that's winning, like, two or three at this point. Um, but what did you think of Frost getting getting fired, Hop? Yeah, like you said, I mean, it's about time is pretty much what it comes down to. If you want to be a perennial powerhouse, sometimes I think maybe if you think you're a perennial powerhouse and it's taken a little bit of time to get there, maybe that's your own hubris a little bit. Um, and maybe kind of like 
take a look at the landscape, take a step back and, and, you know, kind of realize where you're at and what it's actually going to take for you to take another step. Um, I thought, but I mean, you can't after Northwestern game and, you know, revisionist history is always 20, you know, 2020, but the AD, the AD should also be fired. He should not have a job. You doubled down on Scott Frost in the off season and extended him at like what, 14 and 30 or 29 or something like that for the career record for the last four or five years. It's like, come on, you're going to double down on this guy and you come out, you go to Ireland and lose to Northwestern. You, well, I think it was only a two possession win against North Dakota and then give up 45 to Georgia Southern. Like, I mean, it was time to go. And as far as Nebraska as a program, I love when they suck. Like I said, and they're kind of they're kind of the Dallas Cowboys of college football. Like I I mean you, you could probably give that that credit to a couple different teams. You know, Miami, Texas, Nebraska are probably the the three most. And I want all three of them to be good. So sue me. I no, and I don't hate that. Like I'm a, I've li- I've lived in Austin before. I love Texas. I've loved I loved Colt McCoy. Like the U is some of the best thirty for thirties. Like I get that, but Nebraska and the Big Ten West. There's I just think like hey like. Come on, you're kind of you're kind of little brother in the Big Ten West right now, like just know know your place a little bit. But yeah, I like Scott Frost did great things as a G five at a G five team, and he did something historic there. But when it came to big boy football, he didn't have what it takes. Doesn't mean I don't think he should have another job. I think it would be hilarious if he went to like Rice and made them like a perennial ten win G five program. And I think he probably has the ability to do it, but. It was time. You can't, you just cannot, like I said, with the AD, you just can't double down on Scott Frost with that record and then go one and two to start the year. Like he's got to be out of a job too. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. It, it's, I, it, this has been a long time coming. And I think the only thing that saved Frost is that he's an alum of Nebraska was a good quarterback for Nebraska. And that was, I mean, if, if he had played at any other college uh, for uh, during his career, he wouldn't have had this job going into this season. And, and yeah, going to Ireland and losing is tough. Then you bring North Dakota there, like you mentioned, and only beat them by, I think, two, like you said, two possessions is not a good look. And then having Southern put 40 on your head is just brutal. And yeah. they, they, it was a nice uh, 130 uh, on Sunday news dump for Nebraska. Try to bury it with uh, college yes, football, with, uh, NFL football. So I, I did enjoy that as well. Um, but now it's kind of looking, I don't, I think Nebraska season is just cooked. It was cooked after, uh, the Northwestern game. So now they're looking at this point, who's going to be the guy to replace him. Uh, and I think there's a lot of options where, and it depends just what way Dave Remington wants to go with that. So I'm excited to see who's going to be the next Nebraska head coach and, uh, kind of have them back going, you know, six and six and making them fun again. Craziest. Oh, sorry. No, you go, Hop. You go. Uh, Diaz, I think I saw that you liked that tweet, too. I don't remember who it was. I, I don't even think it was a blue check mark person, but they were like, people for the Nebraska job. It was like PJ Fleck, Steve Sarkeesian. It was just a list of, like, preposterous, like, uh, Jim Leonard was in there. Yeah. Like, just a bunch of preposterous head coaches and a couple of coordinators, and like Dave Aranda. Like, what are you talking about? It, it was literally guys that are just at the peak of their career right now at like a good school. Like why would, 
I, I look at it if there's a guy like the guy that they should go for is somebody that should make a vertical move, not a horizontal move. If PJ Fleck moves to be the Nebraska head coach, that's a horizontal move career wise for him. Dave Aranda, the exact same thing. Honestly, I think Jim Leonard would actually be a good fit because he's been the DC at Wisconsin. I know that would hurt you, but he's been the DC at Wisconsin for five years. If he wants to advance his coaching career and they came and wanted to interview him, I think that would be a good spot for him, especially as a defensive minded coach. That would be pretty nice to see him there. Um, but like they, they, I think another one that was brought up was like Matt Campbell, who I, I wrote that he could be a guy for that. It's more of I think Nebraska would want him to be the next head coach there because he's had so much success at Iowa State, but he he's at the peak of his career right now, or and has turned Iowa State into a very good team, into a team that is going to be competitive every year. Why would he leave and have to just restart everything? Yeah, it was uh, – so I lied. It was Pete Thamel, of all people, who I generally respect his opinion. But, yeah, it was names for Nebraska. Matt Campbell, Mark Stoops, Dave Aranda, Bill O'Brien, Lance Leopold, Jim – it keeps getting funnier. Jim Leonard, P.J. Fleck, Chris Cleveland, Dave Doran, Sam Pittman, Alex Grinch, Matt Entz, Brett Bielema, Jamie Chadwell, and Troy Calhoun was the, the people in the list in tweet. Like, what a cycle. I don't – I don't so – crazy. I don't hate my boy Lance Lightbold sliding over from Kansas to Nebraska. No, I, I, okay, I like, I agree, but like, they just beat West Virginia. Yeah, no, the, yeah, Virginia. they're just, yeah, he, he's just naming the flavor of the month for basically everyone. Yeah. And, and with Stoops and Pittman, again, two guys, they're coaching in the SEC. They're at the, the top of their career right now, having great success. Why are you going to make a horizontal move to a team that you're going to have to completely rebuild? I think this is an advantageous job for a guy like Bill O'Brien or Jim Leonard in the sense that you're getting your first or for Leonard, it would be his first head coaching job. O'Brien would return. And I mean, he he's had success under sanctions when he was at Penn state when 15 and nine on in a very tough situation, but there's also that allure of, Oh, if I bring Nebraska football back, I'm a hero in Lincoln for the rest of my life. So I, I also think that's a, a, what makes this job so enticing for a guy like, Ed O to get back into coaching or even Gary Patterson. Cause right now he's essentially Sarkeesian's intern um, at Texas after being a head coach for 21 years. So if he gets the itch to coach again, he would be another guy that I think could be a good fit or even Matt rule dropping back down to college because we've seen it. Some college coaches don't translate to the NFL. Even some of the greats like Saban did not work out um, recently or a couple of years ago, Lane Kiffin didn't work out. So, I mean, Rule could, again, be another guy where he's had success at Temple and Baylor when they were at their worst and made them bowl-eligible teams, bringing them to 10-11 win seasons. So, I think there's a lot of options. It'd be hilarious if Jerry Kill just left New Mexico State just mid-season and went to Nebraska, like, right now. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be so cool. Um, the, the last note I'll say with Frost, it was wild that they – fired him now they could have saved eight million dollars if they just waited till october 1st um but they fired him now and it's a 15 million dollar buyout it would have been eight million dollars if they just waited till october 1st so that's tough that is tough um again i kind of think that's 
again, I, I know money's money, but him being the, the Nebraska alum that he is, with Dave Remington also being a Nebraska alum, he might have just been looking out for a buddy and just not caring about the paycheck. I understand that's such a drastic amount of money, but he could have been like, here, here's a good parting gift. We uh, uh, just don't come back. Yeah, thanks for nothing. Um, but we'll kind of go quickly through this week. Um, big games. BYU-Oregon, I think, is an interesting one. Penn State-Auburn. Uh, Michigan State traveling to Washington. I feel like Washington always gets this, like, early Big Ten ABC night game. That's an awesome uh, atmosphere. And then Miami against Texas A&M. I mean, Miami didn't score as much as I would like them to last week against Southern Miss, but this is kind of their first test, if you consider A&M a test. So I'll go to Diaz first. Uh, of these four games, what kind of what kind of catches your eye? Like you said, uh, I think Washington could come in and kind of play spoiler to a Michigan State team. Um, you know, and, and Washington's a weird team. Uh, they go through years where they are, you know, they run the Pac-12. The years they had guys like d- defensively, uh, Byron Murphy, Vita Vey, Ben Burke-Hervin, two guys that were just absolute studs. And now they go through a flow where they're not very good. I could just see them coming in and kind of throwing something at Michigan, going air raid on them a little bit and just surprising them because Michigan State's not really going to play that this year, especially when you look at the Big Ten schedule. The only team that will really try to hit them with that is Ohio State. So I think Washington could really play spoiler to Michigan State this week and and come out of uh, East Lansing with an upset. Hop, what stands out to you out of those four games? I don't know how Oregon is a three and a half point favorite over BYU. Yeah, I, I was thinking that too. Okay, well that's not good because you know. Well, it's it's, a, it's weird because I mean BYU just beat a really good Baylor team without their two best receivers. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they get a little bit healthy for this week, and the, we haven't we've seen Oregon play one actual team, and I know it's Georgia. They looked horrible, and now they're getting your three and a half point favorites against BYU. It's it's interesting. I know BYU doesn't travel well. But I don't know. It's it's definitely an interesting line. Yeah, that's why it, that's why it's just crazy to me because obviously I know you were on South Florida and I was on BYU to start the year. They go to they go yeah, there. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> they go Tell there. I'm the picks now. that I was on the right side of that you were on the wrong side of. Now <laughs> they do, they dominated there, and then like you said, they just beat Baylor at home. You know, they jump up they in you know double overtime. I didn't see. I will say I saw like just before game time um, that or like maybe earlier in the day that uh, Romney and was it Pakua? I think it is. That might be wrong. That might be totally wrong. The two receivers were out. I know Romney was one of them, Um, but they go out and beat Baylor and double OT. And now that was at home. They're not really traveling that far. Provo to Eugene isn't that far. And, you know, like the gap between, to me, the gap between Georgia and BYU is a lot closer than BYU to Oregon. I will never, ever bet on Bo Nix again. Bo Nix is not good. The defense, obviously missing some pieces from last year. I don't know. I don't know how BYU would lose this game. I mean, it's just bananas. Uh, I, I have to actually agree with you. That was the other game that really intrigued me. And, and again, that three and a half point spread uh, what was one that really caught my eye. Um, and, you know, it, like you mentioned before, that BYU defense played really tough against a very, very good Baylor team a team that I think could win the Pac-12 or the Big 12 this year. Um, and they also – Baylor had a, a very good defense. So I, I think BYU wins this game. And, I mean, the ginger ale is going to be flowing all night in pro <laughs> It's going to be one hell, of a, one hell of a Mormon party there. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. 
Yeah. And by the by the way, Hop, the the receiver you're thinking of is Puka Nakua, which is an oh. all time name. So one one plus one equals two. Um, but yeah, I like I and I'm kind of a Baylor truther this year. I mean, Dave Aranda, obviously former former Badger DC. I mean, I think the guy's a genius. I thought last year Blake Shapin in those last couple uh, games for Baylor, uh, he was in for Jerry Bohannon. Is it Gary or Jerry? I think it's Gary. I yeah. think it's Gary too, even though I said Jerry. But yeah, um, he came Who in. Who sucks, with- by the way? I'm out on him after that USF game. But go on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's. I, I think Blake Shape is the truth. I think he's going to be really good once they get into conference play, like you said. I mean, BYU, I think BYU returned like 19 of 22 starters. Yeah, it was like 87% year. of their offense. Yeah, so I mean, we're talking about a really solid team at home. They only gave up 68 yards was the uh, – Williams was the leading rusher for Baylor last week. And BYU only ran for 31, but Jaron Hall also might be the truth. I just – I'm going to – here, you want to watch me do it? Because I'm going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a unit on BYU Moneyline. I don't know how they lose this game. I don't know how. Yeah, I, I like that. And, and speaking of bets, boys, it's about that time where we each make our three bets. But Woo-hoo! our guy Liam, producer Liam, one and one on the year, big win with the Gamecocks in week one. Unfortunately, Army didn't get the cover. Liam, you got another gut pick for week three? Yeah, I, I got to go all gut here. I'm – all in my head, no clue what's going on. So I'm going with two teams I haven't watched much, but I know it's going to be a game that's on a lot of TVs and a lot of bars. 3.30 kickoff. We're going Penn State with Auburn, or Penn State at Auburn, excuse me. And we're going to take Auburn plus three. Just It's complete gut. Penn State coming into the south. Uh, I I think Auburn 2-0, and not too – I think they beat, what, Mercer and San Jose State, so not too very uh, – Big wins, but, you know, Purdue played uh, Penn State pretty close. So, I, I like plus three. I like chaos. I like uh, fans to get bullied. What do you show me there, Hop? That's that's the ticket right there, BYU winning line. Wow. There we go. There we go. I thought but, you were standing with Liam and taking yeah, Auburn plus three. I was about to be there with you, but, uh, no, I got my mojos all all messed up. My only win this whole weekend was a Tom Brady Bucks win, the only guy I can rely on. Uh, went 0-5 in college football, so don't take that pick. But um, I am 1-1 one one fighting for, for a nice 2-1. and one. So let's go Auburn. Go Tigers. All right, I like that. I'm thinking, boys, I'm thinking we just rip off all three of our picks just for, for time's sake. I'll start it off, and then we'll go Hop, then we'll go Diaz. And obviously, feel free to chime in and tell me my picks suck because uh, I went 1-2 and two last week with my official picks. Um Wake looked really good, so I was happy about that. Pitt, Pitt should have covered. That was that was a tough beat. Um, and then the Miami uh, Southern Miss over didn't hit, so that that was also tough. Um, but we bounced back this week, and I like I like a couple of games. First game, I'm gonna take Washington minus three and a half because that feels like one of those games where why is Washington three and a half point favorites? Like this felt like it was gonna be a down year for them. I watched them play Kent State in Week One. I actually had Kent State. They didn't Penix didn't look too bad. I know Hoppe hates him. You hate him, right, Hop? Yes. <laughs> okay. But but I don't know. Familiar territory. I think that's a really tough place for Michigan State to go into. Neither of these teams have really played anyone yet. So I'm gonna take Washington minus three and a half. Uh my second pick. I like speaking of uh Penix, I like uh Western Kentucky plus six and a half against Indiana. Indiana. Oh, I, you with me, Hop? Yeah. Indiana looking ahead to Cincy next week and 
they're just not that good. Although I did tell you they'd beat Illinois and they did. Um, don't need to talk about refs or anything else in that game, but uh, I, I don't like Indiana. Caught it fucking twice. <laughs> and, and Western Kentucky's been a little bit. They haven't played anyone, but they've been a little bit better offensively than I was expecting after Zappa left. So I'm going to take Western Kentucky in the points. And my last pick, Hop's not going to like it. Troy plus 12 and a half against App State. App State home game off a big win. I'm going to fade them. I think they're going to win the game, but 12 and a half is a lot of points. Troy's not a terrible team. Uh, so I'm going to go with Troy plus 12 and a half. So I'm taking Washington, Western Kentucky, and Troy for my three picks. What say you, Hop? You look like you weren't too mad about my Troy pick. No, I I totally get it. I've been I've been kind of big the last couple of weeks off of just going, you know, uh, you know, teams playing the tough games, take the take the other team after a tough game. Uh, like I was talking about Marshall, how I wanted to take the points. I didn't, I didn't, and I didn't cash, you know, whatever. That's that's okay. Um, so as you guys heard, I took BYU money line. We got a unit out there. Um I, I went all right. I'll, I'll I'll talk about it a little bit. I went zero and three week zero. Since then, I'm seven six and two. With I had, like Luke said, Illinois money line. I had Purdue plus three and a half, or yeah, plus three and a half, and money line. And then I had West Virginia on the money line, uh, and whatever it was and mine uh, plus seven. So that one pushed. But those are tickets that. At least, at least like one of the two between uh, Illinois and Purdue should have cast whatever. So I'm I'm kind of feeling it so far this year. Um, but I only got three plays. Well, plus four with BYU, UCLA minus thirteen and a half. Uh, that one's at home against South Bama. South Bama. I'm liking it less and less as we get through the week. But I love DTR and Charbonnet. Those guys are awesome. Chip Kelly. There's you know. Chip Kelly's one of those, you know, bigger guys like like me and Diaz. One of them bigger guys. You just you just gotta love them. Um, Diaz, you're gonna like this one. I got I got the Notre Dame Fighting Irish minus ten and a half this week against Cal. Cal, so far this year, they were I think they were only they were either down at half or only up three to UC Davis week one. Uh, last week they only beat UNLV by six, and you know I know there's some weird G5 hype about UNLV, but they're not that talented. Um, so I like Notre Dame. I like I like Pine to get them off the schneid this week, uh, and put the put the you know pedal to the metal. The other one that I got, I've I contemplated going back to the well for a game of the year. I'm not going to do it. I decided. Oh, it's too soon. It's too. It soon. is too soon. I could I couldn't afford it, but. I, I have Nevada plus 21 and a half against Iowa in Iowa City, and I've seen it move to 23. Iowa has punted 16 times this year. They have 14 points. There is no reason. Spencer Peach is literally the worst quarter. I, I'm a fan of Graham Mertz, and Spencer Peach is statistically worse than him. Is that, why are they three, four possessions they would need to cover? I mean, that is insane. Nevada's not that good. They can run the ball a little bit, not a lot. This game is not going to be any more high scoring than the others. I would take the under, and I there's just how do you how do you look at a sane if you're a sane person, how can you look at me and say I was going to win this game by four possessions to cover the number? I'm not going to say that, but Nevada did just lose the incarnate word. Yeah, they put up 41 points. Like there's there's a little bit of scoring, like. 
55 to 41, that's 14 points. That's a cover every day of the week. All right. Diaz would say that team is so the offense is so <laughs> bad. The defense is beautiful and fantastic, and that's great for Iowa. They love defense out there the same way I do. But Spencer Petras has like a 3.4 QBR. So bad. So fucking bad. All right. So uh kicking things off. Um, this game did worry me a little bit seeing where the location was, but I'm still gonna ride with it. I have Georgia minus 24 and a half against South Carolina. Um, I don't think Sandstorm will be enough to, to will South Carolina into making this a competitive game. Um, I, I wasn't super sold at uh, about Georgia to start the season, but after watching them play Oregon and just like pedal to the metal the entire way and Stetson Bennett kind of really coming into his own and playing, uh, not being the guy that's going to just be efficient, but being the guy that's going to excel at quarterback. I feel really good about Georgia uh, minus 24 and a half here and just continuing to absolutely roll teams that stand in front of them. So I feel pretty confident about that, but uh, the location does worry me just a little bit with it being a home game for South Carolina, but my gut is telling me rock with Georgia minus 24 and a half. Yeah. I like that. I I was thinking about that too, just because I feel like there's always a big line and I'm like, I want to take South Carolina at home, but yeah, I think Georgia dummies them. Uh, my other one is a game that we brought up earlier, uh, BYU plus three and a half against Oregon. Uh, we we, we kind of touched on just about everything, why BYU is going to win this game. Uh, and I, I just think that Oregon with Bo Nix, like, like you said, I, we can't rock with Bo Nix at all this season. I don't care. Anti-Bo Nix no. podcast. Yeah. Let's go. Hey, I didn't think we'd all agree on something. There we go. Yeah, you, you missed week zero. I'm very anti-Bo Nix. <laughs> but Bonix is uh, he, he's a bum, and I, I really can't trust him against this uh, a, a really good BYU defense. And just this BYU team looks so tough. I think they're gonna be a top ten team uh, come week four. So I really like BYU um, plus three and a half in this game. Um, especially like you said the commute isn't too long for uh, uh, BYU fans to travel to Eugene. So I, I think they'll travel decent, and, and that'll be a big factor in this game as well. Um, my final game, I like Oklahoma minus 11 against Nebraska with Nebraska kind of just being in disarray right now. Um, but that also could backfire a little bit, not trying to talk myself out of this, but with Frost gone, um, they, they could find some life. But I just think this Oklahoma team is exceeding my expectations. I didn't think the Brent Venables uh, hire was a great one at the start of the season. But, I mean, Oklahoma looks pretty good right now, especially with uh, Taylor or uh, Dylan Gabriel at QB right now. Um, I, I just think this their offense looks very sound. They look like a tough team, and they're gonna just be about as solid as it gets. And Nebraska, I just don't think we'll put up a lot of points. The Oklahoma defense above average for a Big Twelve one, which means it's that's not bad. So I really like Oklahoma minus eleven against Nebraska. Those are my three picks for this week. Can I get your guys' opinion on just one more play? Obviously. We can just talk about this, but there's a really, there's a game. I'm a huge G5 guy for the most part, so this game interests me. Uh, UTSA, who beat Army, we won over that last week in overtime, is going to Austin, Texas this week. That spread is 12 and a half right now. Like, I mean, U- UTSA, the defense has been a little bit eh for the most part, and obviously with the Texas quarterback situation, um, I mean, Robinson probably runs for 150 for sure, but Frankie Frankie Harris is the fucking guy. Like, I don't know. Both shout out Taco Joe. Shout out Taco Joe and the Roadrunners. I don't, I don't, it seems like a lot. I mean, both are coming off top, tough games. So maybe 
evens, evens out. I don't know. Yeah, that's actually one of my other picks that I had lined up for this week was UTSA plus 12 and a half um, against Texas. I think I'm Texas. Have to fucking ride that. So I, and I'm a wrong. lot of that kind of played into like, it's going to be a little bit of a hangover game. I don't think Texas loses this game, um, but I think that it'll be closer than they probably expect, especially with Hudson Card stepping in as the starter. It'll be a little bit of bumps, a couple bumps in the road for him initially. But uh, yeah, I actually, I like that a lot. I'll ride with it. Look at that. We call it the is it like, the Saturday yet? Freaking ride them of the week. Yeah, I mean UTSA, shout out them. They played Houston, Army, and Texas. Like that's a that's a tough non-conference. And I mean they almost win that Houston game. They take care of Army in a tough spot. And I can definitely I, I think it's a hangover game, like you guys said. So what a great way to end the show with us all riding with the roadrunners. Look at us. Um, who would have thought? Who would have thought? But that'll wrap up the week three edition. Of Is It Saturday Yet, presented by Student Union Sports. Thanks for Andrew Diaz, Bryce Hopwood, Big Hoppa, and Liam Smith behind the scenes. We'll be back here and better than ever for next week, week four. Thanks for hanging out with us. Not so fast, my friend. (laughs) A podcast presented by Student Union Sports.